What would it mean to like set your city on fire? Is that like, is that a good thing? Um, it sounds like a bad. Thing. It sounds like a bad thing. Actually, in Detroit, they have this thing called Devil's Night, which uh-huh. every year on Halloween, uh, up until like the '90s, and then it sort of fizzled out since then. Uh-huh. But up until the '90s, they'd have this like night um, where basically everyone would just go around and commit arson. Oh my god! Which is kind of crazy. That is so scary, dude. That's like, that sounds like like. Uh, Wow, that sounds like the purge or something. Yeah, it basically was. But then like they started like anarchy. All these like citizens came together and like started patrolling. Wait, what was it called? Devil's Night. Devil's Night. It's also the name of a song by you know D twelve? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the song about that. Oh wow, that's crazy. It's dude. crazy. It sort of like lives on in local. I, w- I wonder how like something like that even just like starts. Like someone just like burns some shit and then like everybody's just like, yo, that's sick. Right. That's basic I think that's basically <laughs> what it was. Like it's Halloween. Like it's supposed to be evil, you know? Dude, hot take, like burning stuff is so fun. Like yes. I'm, I'm not like a pyromaniac or anything. But I kinda like, am. <laughs> but the, the few times I've like gotten to just like set stuff on fire, it's been like so much fun. What's like the favorite thing you burned? Uh money. <laughs> fake money. Fake money. <laughs> burn money. Fake money. Fake money. Oh, okay. We okay. were filming this like campaign ad for um this campaign I was working on. And it's actually kind of topical because we're having uh like a very progressive guest on the, um this week. Um but for the for the campaign, we were trying to symbolize the fact that we're the only campaign that was not taking any money from PAX Corporations lobbyists or the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. And so we did You have you have that pitch memorized. Like <laughs> yeah. PAX Corporation is fossil fuel. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um and so we we're trying to symbolize that uh with a campaign ad. Um and what we did is we just we ordered like Probably a hundred dollars worth of like fake money, not like Monopoly look ass looking money, just like like real looking like fake real money. fake money. Yeah. Wait, like you you paid a hundred dollars in real money for <laughs> fake money. Yeah, but like like a, like fifty thousand dollars worth in, in like in fake money probably. So it's just like st- it's just like stacks on stacks on stacks of fake uh, money. Just a fake money. And then for the ad, we just like we just like had we had him say like a few lines. I was filming, so I didn't actually get to light it on fire. Um, but then just like drop a match with like, and we put so much gas on this one <laughs> so much gas literally like a full bottle of gas so that like presentationally it would literally he just like dropped a match and then the whole thing just like <laughs> just like up in flames it was so sick that's dude. so funny yeah it was so I cool. love that it was such a fun time I remember I was part of like this outdoor group back home right mm-hmm. and they will always do this thing every year where there would just be this giant bonfire uh-huh. and you'd have to light it really creative. So yeah. like one year someone had like a bow and arrow and dumped a bunch of gasoline in this fire, right? Uh-huh. And then lit the tip of the bow and arrow on fire oh, and dude, shot it into the fire. That's some catness. Yeah, dude. it that's was. So cool. And then another year someone like made this giant trail of gunpowder uh-huh. like going Whoa. like really far and then they lit uh-huh. it at one end and there was just like this giant like ball of fire moving. Isn't towards. that like explosive? Like isn't gunpowder like explosive? Oh, it was I like Looked it up after. That was like very dangerous and stupid, but also it looks sick. That's so it was so worth cool. it. That's so cool. Have you ever heard the song um, "Cool Guys Don't Look at Explosions"? <laughs> I have not. <laughs> it's like a lonely, uh, lonely island song. Oh, it's of so, course it's it is. It's so funny, dude. It's just like it's. I it made the gunpowder made me think of it, but it's about how like in movies and stuff, like when when you know superheroes or like cops or something like light some shit on fire, they never they're always walking away and they, and they never look back at it. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, it's you know you know that one scene in Twenty One Jump Street <coughs> where yeah. like. All the they like chuck the box of doves behind yeah. them. They all just fly up. That's yeah. what that made me think of. Or like in um in the uh, 
the Dark Knight, like how when uh, when the Joker sets like the whole uh, like hospital on fire, he's just like fucking walking away. Yeah, yeah. I watched the Dark Knight last weekend. It was so good. Really? Yeah, it's like one of the best. I- I'd never seen it. I never it seen it. So it was so sick, dude. Don't no spoilers, but <laughs> no, it was it was no so spoilers. cool. Yeah, that's the that's that second one, right? Yeah, and then at the end of the and the end at the end of the song, like in the, in the end of the music video, like there's like an explosion, and they all like freak out and like look back at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I love yeah. that. We should do a whole episode on just like looking like a badass. How do you look like a badass? Like, That's a really good question. Like when so, I get it. Like when things are going well, right? Like it's easy to maintain your composure. But like, yeah. how can you look like a badass when like something blows up or something? You know? Yeah, I guess it's just you walk away. <laughs> yeah, but how? Like I would want to look back because what if there's some fucking like shrapnel flying at my at the back of my right. head? You know? What well, I mean? a badass wouldn't care. A badass would just like pick the shrapnel out once it's gone. Really? You think so? A badass is impervious to shrapnel. So a badass Metal would like shrapnel? get a little bit of shrapnel like stuck in their neck, right? They pick it out. They'd look at it, there'd be like some blood on it, and they'd be like, eh, and they'd just chuck it back and keep walking. And they they'd just, just chuck it back and keep walking. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what if it's a really big piece of shrapnel, though? Like a, like a part of an airplane or something. Oh, well, then you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But you still looked cool, though. You still looked cool. cool. You looked cool I dying. think that's the cost-benefit analysis that people do when they don't look back at explosions. Yeah, like... like like I probably someone's filming me right now, so I better look I better dope, look cool, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, if something happens, then, you know, something happens, but... Wild. Yeah, wild indeed. Hopefully I never have to look back at an explosion. Like, I hope that I'm just never in a scenario where there's a massive explosion behind me. Yeah, no, that's true. But what if, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, a cool, like, situation to be in where, like, something explodes. I mean, I want to explode something. Like, that sounds fun. We should. Just, like, in the middle of a field, just, like... Oh, dude, I thought of another time when starting, um, starting, uh, starting a fire was really fun. Okay. Um... I was up, this was like after my like sophomore year, I think, um, my cross country team got invited to go to like this camp, um, just like for the weekend to like train and like, um, like work with like a couple of coaches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like this camp in like Northern Maine. Um, it was super, it was super nice. Just like on a lake, like in Maine. Right. Ooh. Um, okay. But they had this like massive field. And one of the things that they wanted us to do, cause like they were like making us work because like we didn't, we weren't like paying to go there or something. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted us to like go into the woods and like get all of, all the like dry like dry dead wood that we can find uh-huh. and like burn it in like a very controlled manner. Oh, um, is that to, like to prevent forest fires or something? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. um, but we were like, oh, like we're doing this work to like prevent a forest fire. What if we like started a forest fire instead? <laughs> so when everybody went to bed and this fire was like still burning, it was probably like five feet tall. We just like kept adding logs to it for like probably like two like two hours or something. Um, and we literally built a fire that was like 35 feet tall. It was so fucking wow. sick, dude. Like, it was so cool. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up on my phone to see if I have a picture. Because like, we did take some pictures, but it was, bro, it, like, this is the biggest fire I've ever seen. Sounds fire, actually. Yeah. Sounds like a quality experience. Yeah. It was. I don't, I've never made a fire that big. I do remember. My- it wasn't super dangerous because it was in the middle of a field and mm-hmm. we were like spraying water around it at, at the same time. It's so, like we weren't just for disclaimers. We weren't actually trying to start a forest fire. We were just trying to make a big fire. Mm-hmm. Don't start forest fires. Yeah. Smokey Bear is watching you. That man is creepy. Or bear. <laughs> that bear is creepy. <coughs> also, aren't like forest fires really bad for the environment? They are too. Yeah. But, also, but there are natural forest fires, aren't there? There are natural forest. Sometimes they're like, sometimes in controlled settings, they're good. Like, um, pine forests need them so that the pine cones can expand and like, oh, grow right, new yeah. trees. But other than that, like, yeah, they 
mess with a lot of stuff. Also, like, the state of California uses, like, prisoners to fight forest fires. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's insane. That's yeah. wild. And, and, like, it's crazy because also they're completely untrained. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, they they just, like, get hauled out of prison one day and they're like, all right, go fight this forest fire. That's and, like, crazy. if I got hauled out of bed one day and I was told, like, go fight a forest fire, I'd have no idea what I was doing. Yeah, would you do it, though? I mean, if I wasn't a prisoner, yeah. Yeah. Would you fight a forest fire? Like, w- would you volunteer to fight a forest fire? Uh, I'd like to say yes, so I'm going <coughs> to say yes. Um, But I've never been asked, so I don't know what my actual... Will you fight a forest fire? This is, I'm asking you. You're asking me? Yeah. Uh... Sure, but I know it I'm seems not... like something to put on a bucket list. It, it does, but also hopefully there's no like forest fire, and this isn't going to be true because we live in California. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of fire, we mm-hmm. have a fire guest on today. Oh, dude, that was a sick segue. I I thought about that segue for like two minutes. I'm not gonna lie. Really? I've been that took you two minutes to think of. No, it took me like thirty seconds. Okay. But then yeah. I I've been holding it like in my back pocket. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You know, like when you have like a piece of chocolate. In your, your back like, pocket? In your back pocket. Dude, I hate that because you always worst. end up sitting on it. <laughs> you right? always sit on it. And, like, bounce stuff gets everywhere by your butt. No, I just don't like it because it makes chocolate very soft. That too. Yeah. Unless it's M&M's. M&M's yeah. the I don't really eat M&M's. I don't really eat them either. Yeah. They have traces of peanuts. Yeah, exactly. We're both allergic to peanuts. <coughs> I will be eating M&M's. Bless <coughs> you, dude. Excuse me. Sorry, I'm just coughing up a lung over here. Um, dude, I can't get rid of this cough. It's, me too. Yeah. Me too. I'm going to Vaden tomorrow. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably not, but because it's just like annoying at this point. It's not like it's not like it hurts anymore or anything. It's just like there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyways, we have a fire guest today. Um, give it up for uh, Cenk Uger. Cenk Uger. What Cenk a Uger. what a guy! It's he's, I I heard of him before. He runs a news program called The Young Turks. Yes, over eight billion subscribers. I thought it was nine billion. He said like nine billion subscribers. It was nine. It was nine billion. You can't views. have nine billion subscribers <laughs> yeah. though. There's not even that many people. I think he had, he had nine billion views. Oh, okay. Nine okay. billion views. It was like several, like a hundred million subscribers or something. Yeah. It was a, it really was a, bro. Does have eight billion subscribers? We do have eight billion. Even even eight trillion. Even though there's only seven billion, seven and a half billion people in the world, we have eight billion subscribers. We have eight billion subscribers. We have Fuck all what the SoundCloud says. That's not accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like deflate our view count. They are, they, bro. They are. They are. They are. I think. Maybe. Um, but no, Jenk Uger's a super cool guy. He started out um, his political career, like, very conservative. Yeah. He went to University of Pennsylvania, and he wrote for, I forget what the newspaper's called, like, the Daily Pennsylvanian or something mm. like that. Um, and he wrote, like, very out there, um, socially conservative things. Yeah. And then at some point, sort of in the mid-2000s, he's just been sort of shifting to the left. So we wanted to talk to him about, um... He's super woke. He's super woke now. So we wanted to talk to him about, like, his political journey from sort of, like... To, from, like, one very different viewpoint to another. Yeah, exactly. And, like, it, it, you know, like, bros today, I think there's a large contingency of them that are, like, very conservative. And there's, like, this other kind of segment that are, like, like progressive bros. Or yeah, like, right. Or like, Bernie bros. You yeah, know? Bernie bros. Um, but there's kind of, like, this dichotomy in, like, in, in those two groups of, of bros. Like, there's not that many moderate bros. Um, right. And I was just really interested because he's kind of experienced, like, both sides of that. Um, and you know, it's, it's interesting for me cause I like, I, a lot of my friends at home, I would describe as like, we're much more conservative, mm-hmm. like very conservative, um, especially socially. And like, he kind of understands that. And like, I think I understand that a little bit. Um, 
not yeah. not to the extent that I could, but but then like you know you come to Stanford and there's just like progressive bros all over the right, place, everywhere, right? Everywhere, yeah. And it's like, what does it mean to be a progressive bro? And what does it mean to be a conservative bro? And like, why do those two groups exist? Um, yeah, I, I think that's exactly sort of what we wanted to get at with this interview. Yeah, so we talked to him about that as well as like a lot more, but mm-hmm. don't want to spoil it. So no spoilers. We are not fans of spoilers, dude. Here, I'm I'm bro. all about spoilers, bro. You know, one of my favorite things to do is, um, like before I go see a movie, one of my favorite things to do is like literally look up the plot line on Wikipedia. Seriously? Yeah. Oh yeah, I read <laughs> the whole that? plot line before I watch any movie, bro. But then you don't get surprised. That's true, but life, like uh, life is special because of the surprise. But I love watching movie and just being like, oh, you know, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, you, like you characters don't know, but I know, bro. I do love rewatching a movie for that reason. Exactly. It's like yeah. you, you can just be like, no, like don't go into that room. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't watch a ton of horror movies, but like, yeah, but you know what I mean. Thing. Like, it doesn't books. have to be a horror movie. It could be like, don't go into the hospital room because like someone is dying in there and that's sad. If you're going in hospital, a hospital room, you probably should be pretty comfortable with that risk that, that somebody's going to be sick in there. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it'll change your life in ways you weren't expecting. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, enjoy this enjoy interview. Enjoy this interview. This no-spoilers interview. No-spoilers interview. One spoiler, we were both nervous as f- I, I wasn't nervous. Bro. I was nervous. I was as f- nervous. You were so nervous. No, I wasn't, dude. You were shaking. No, I wasn't. You were quaking. Like a no, leaf. You, have y'all true. ever seen a leaf in the wind? Dude, what are you talking <laughs> about, bro? I wasn't nervous at all, bro. He only has eight billion subscribers, bro. We got we got eight and a half billion. Well, yeah, we're we're getting up there. We're getting yeah. up there. Yeah. All right. Enjoy. I wasn't nervous. Staring. Yeah, you were. Real men have the nuts to walk away. Yeah. Cool guys don't look at explosions. They blow things up and then walk away. Who's got time to watch an explosion? It's cool guy errands that they have to walk to Keep walking, keep shining Don't look back, keep on walking all right, we're on the line with Jenk uh, uh, Uger, founder of uh, the Young Turks, um, a legendary progressive media outlet. I think has like 8 billion views. Am I exaggerating there? Something like that. It's a big number. No. Okay, it's a it's a big number regardless of what it is. Um, I I uh, affiliated with uh, Jenk and his staff a little bit this past year because I was working on um, a uh, Democratic campaign in Maine uh, for a guy named Zach Ringelstein. So shout out to my former boss Zach, um, and thank you so much for being with us, Jenk. Yeah, thank you. Also, before we get started, I just wanted to point out that Jenk won an award called the Emperor Has No Clothes Award, and I just thought that was really interesting and that y'all should know that. It's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first of all. No, eight billion is not overstating it. It's actually ten, nearly approaching eleven billion. Holy oh, shit! What? <laughs> God damn! I was I was flexing for you, and then you had to flex a little more. Wow. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, listen, I just want to bring facts to the American people. That's all I care about. There you go. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, and yes, uh, I did get that award for "Ever Has No Clothes." It was about religion, but boy, is it fitting for these days because I think we're right back in, in the same situation where um, we have a president who's clearly mentally unstable and everyone is pretending that the emperor has clothes mm. uh, or sanity in this case. Mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, you're talking about cofefes and oranges and winds that cause cancer and, and invisible planes. The guy is obviously obviously unbalanced mm-hmm. and we're pretending that he's not 
because it feels inconvenient to say that the president uh, either lost his mind or never had a mind to begin with. Yeah, so with that, do you feel like that is something that, I mean, obviously you guys point out all the crazy shit that he does, um, but do you feel like the mainstream media has kind of created like a new normal for what is what is accepted in, in that way is like making it seem like he does have clothes, I guess, to, to stick with the analogy? Yeah, I do. And so I want to be fair. Mm -hmm. So they've been better about challenging Trump mm -hmm. than they were uh, in regards to Bush or Obama. And I think that Obama did some uh, egregious things that the, the press totally covered up for. Okay, and I yeah. can give you instances of that in a sec. But uh, in the case of Trump, since he's so outside of the establishment, they have been a, a bolder in, in challenging him. And because he's, his lies are so maniacal and so persistent and pathological that it's, he, he puts them in a situation where they're forced to uh, challenge power, which they're a little uncomfortable with. But, mm. but nonetheless, even giving them that credit, uh, still it's not an accurate picture because they're still deferential to power overall. Mm. Otherwise, we'd be having a real substantive conversation about the 25th Amendment. And, and the most important uh, problem that they have is that uh, the fake debates that they set up makes it appear that everything is 50-50 mm, when things are not 50-50. So if we're having a conversation about whether Donald Trump's uh, mentally stable or intelligent, that conversation is not a 50-50 conversation. Right. It's a 98-2 to 2 conversation. Sure, yeah. uh, and, but when you have a pro-Trump guy and an anti-Trump guy, every conversation seems like, oh, I yeah. can't tell, 50-50. Yeah, that right. seems like something that the right has done really well of claiming equal time when those equal, like the so-called uh, equal perspectives are not representative of what the American people are feeling. Exactly. Right? I feel like that goes a lot back to like some of the previous dialogues we've had on campus free speech, too. Yeah. Same concept. Yeah, I'd actually love your thoughts on that, Jenk. Um, we recently, I don't know if you've kept up with... Uh, Local Stanford news, but we recently had a uh, Dinesh D'Souza come to speak, who obviously is a very yeah. um, offensive uh, rhetorician. Um, what are what are your thoughts on on campus free speech? So, I I have a um, nuanced, I hope a nuanced uh, uh -huh. a point of view on that. Uh -huh. So, on the one hand, I believe that uh, I, I'm kind of an absolutist on letting people speak. Uh -huh. um, and I've had that position from back when I was a Republican all the way through when I'm diehard progressive, and I've never wavered on that. On the other hand, it is the most overhyped issue in America, um, and, and purposely so. So the right wing loves to restrict freedom of speech uh, when it comes to uh, boycott of Israel. Um, uh, in, in Georgia right now, there, uh, Republicans have proposed a plan to uh, un preemptively censor uh, the press in Georgia. So they actually can't stand freedom of speech. They like authoritarian government overall. So why do they focus so much on theoretically being in favor of freedom of speech? For two reasons. One, they want to be able to say racist and bigoted things, and they're like, oh, come on, just let us say it. Please, it's so much fun. Uh, and and so they hide behind freedom of speech as yeah. it legitimizes their speech. Mm. And my point to them is, no, you have all the right in the world to speak. You just don't have a right to be popular. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, right. that's a great way to put it. You have a right to yeah. speak, but maybe nobody will <laughs> shut the fuck up, you know? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> right. 
And and the second reason that they overhype it is because a lot of the right-wing infrastructure is actually supported by speaking fees. Mm. So when they say free speech, they don't actually mean free. Mm. Uh, they So Ben Shapiro gets paid about $40,000 of speech. Does he actually? Uh, wow. and, yes. Holy so, That's wild. And, uh, and so he literally has a vested interest, financial interest, in getting these uh, shock troops or whatever, the, the tiny right-wing minority that exists on these college campuses, and, and usually they bring in people from outside the campus to make a giant deal out of it, because for Ben, there's a lot of dollars on the line. Mm -hmm. So he's like, look, I want to say terribly offensive stuff and get paid a ton of money to do so. Mm -hmm. So even though I hate your free speech in every other aspect, I'm going to pretend that I'm in favor of it mm -hmm. uh, because it helps me with my financial remuneration wow. at this point. That's a really interesting, like, monetary aspect to it that I don't think gets talked about a lot. Yeah, and... It, and by the way, yeah. sorry, yes, to give more color on that, uh -huh. which is really interesting, is that uh, progressives uh, are almost never allowed on college campuses. And you might think, like, well, no, that can't be true, right? No, 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 the, the speaking circuit is a real racket. And, mm. um, and the right wing... Uh, often is backed up by the boards. Uh, they intimidate yeah. the boards and the student bodies of these uh, college campuses. Mm -hmm. And not only do they get money from those institutions, but then they get money put on top by Republican billionaires who yeah. love to spread this propaganda college mm -hmm. campuses. Progressives, on the other hand, unless they're already famous on TV, which usually means they're old and not really that progressive, uh, are... <laughs> are, uh, are usually not asked on college campuses, yeah. let alone paid anywhere near those yeah. rates. In fact, and my co-host, Anna Kasparian, was, mm -hmm. uh, was set to speak at the University of Colorado, mm -hmm. and the student body had voted. Uh, they unprompted, and we had no idea. They had a vote on who they would most like to have speak. This was um, about a year ago, uh -huh. and they chose Anna. And then the board said, no, oh, uh, we don't should. like wow. because uh, she's... Uh, too mean to Trump supporters. <laughs> Oof. So what happened to free speech? What happened to free right. speech? They're total hypocrites and liars. Yeah. You used a phrase earlier, and that phrase was back when I was a conservative. So I, a question I wanted to ask you was, what drew you to social conservative conservatism as a young man? And like, what can we mm -hmm. take away from that to learn about sort of where we are today and what might be drawing so many young men to social conservatism today? Yeah. Well, so, again, nuance is required there because I was, I, I use these terms sometimes interchangeably and they're a little confusing and so it, should, it, it bears clarifying. Mm -hmm. So, growing up, I was what would probably be considered a liberal Republican, um, and, but some of my positions were more conservative, economically conservative, legally conservative, but almost never socially conservative. Um, so... I was always in favor of civil rights, um, including obviously for members of the LGBTQ community, uh, and so. But you, I was always you were pro-life at one point, yeah, and, and anti-affirmative action, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Yes, very, very so, much. And I'm still anti-affirmative action. So, so a lot of my positions have not changed. Mm -hmm. It's just that the Washington has become so radical right-wing mm -hmm. that the, in a sense, the conversation has shifted around me. Mm. So let me address those uh, one by one as quickly as I sure, can. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so on, on social issues, I was liberal, but um, 
there are no liberal Republicans left anymore, so mm. it, it, it didn't make sense. And most and the things that I have changed my mind about are simply based on facts. Mm. So I'm open to facts, whereas most conservatives, uh, and I guess that's why, hence the liberal Republican back mm-hmm. in the day when it existed, are not open to facts. What are you they talking about? about? Susan, Susan Collins is a moderate, isn't she? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you took your picture of Susan Collins down. Don't be talking. <laughs> yeah. So, for example, I changed my mind on the death penalty. Why? Uh-huh. Um, because uh, the Innocence Project showed that um, there were dozens of people on death row who didn't do it, and they have now been released. Uh, I might be in favor of executing people um, that are murderers, and and we could have a healthy and interesting debate, and you might think my position is terrible on that, uh, but I'm definitely not in favor of executing people who didn't do it. Yeah. Um, so... I can't believe that anyone who sees that remains in favor of the death penalty. Yeah. So it, in, in my world, facts matter. And right. for independents who care about the facts, uh, then they are, we, then we can persuade them. And on the Young Turks, we often do. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of converts who come up to me all the time and who say, you know, I was conservative and you guys liberated me. Yeah. It's a really interesting phrase. And it's, yeah, probably the most consistent I hear from either uh, right-wingers or evangelical Christians uh, who really are in, yeah, are in a lot of ways oppressed by the ideology they were brainwashed into. Mm. And so we unbrainwash them, and we do it very simply with facts. Mm. So climate change, I, you know, I was a skeptic in the 1980s, right. but then the temperature kept rising. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> right? So the jury came in. Uh, so that's why I changed my mind on the ones that, that I did. So the ones that I haven't, so for example, affirmative action, I'm, I'm deeply concerned that it creates a very unhealthy stigma for minorities. That's also incredibly unfair. Mm. So the real affirmative action is, I'm sure you guys are aware of, is for uh, legacy recipients. Mm. Right. So it's affirmative action for the rich, the wealthy, and the powerful. Uh, and it's never talked about in the same language. Yeah. And so the deal that I offer uh, is, look, uh, if you guys really want to go to no affirmative action, you have to include legacy. Mm. And if you want to include legacy, let's have a conversation. Let's do that. And by the way, brace for impact because white men are going to get. Yeah. And, and white men are going to get wiped off of elite college campuses. Mm. And that's not me saying I want that. I, I'm not the right wing. I don't care about race. Uh-huh. Uh, I care about merit. Uh, but, but that is what's going to happen. Uh, we know that wherever affirmative action uh, is, is not allowed, the uh, percentage of Asians uh, comes to dominate and is usually still discrimination against Asians. And women dominate. Mm. Uh, so these white male right-wingers better be careful what they wish for mm. uh, because if they get it, they're going to have very little representation on those <laughs> college campuses. Yeah. And then they will definitely cry about them because for them, it is not about merit. It is about race. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so going back to the like ideas around social conservatism, I think a lot of what we see with kind of speakers, like you mentioned Ben Shapiro earlier, or you know some of those other um, like super uber conservative um, talking heads that come to college campuses or you know have their own you know podcast where they spew crazy ideas. Um, like Stephen Crowder is another one. Um, A podcast where they spew crazy ideas. What's that? Different kind of crazy ideas. Than all right, all right. Um, <laughs> just wanted, more, to, be, just more, wanted more, to make sure. More dangerous ones than, than ours, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but uh, it seems like there is sort of a small movement of young, especially white men. Like I come from a um, pretty rural area where a, a lot of my friends back home are kind of, um, you know, convinced by the uh, by like the Ben Shapiro's of the world because you know they're talking fast and it, it sounds it sounds legit if you don't if you don't take another look at it. Um, so what do you think that? as progressives, especially young progressives, we can do to sort of combat that like um, subculture that is kind of coming up right now? So we just have to keep uh, fighting uh, ideas with ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that there's an easy solution to this. Uh And uh, the good news is their surges are usually short-lived. So the interest has been around for 17 years and there's an ideological graveyard filled with our political opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've seen them. Yeah, that was a savage statement go. right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, when we said the Iraq war w- was a bad idea, uh-huh. we were considered crazy. Yeah. Uh, now, in hindsight, we were considered so right that they pretend like they never mm. were in favor of the war and that we were... Uh, not only a minority, almost one of the only uh, voices in the country mm-hmm. saying don't go in. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, even Barack Obama being considered very progressive, when I said he's not, that was considered outrageous. Yeah. Uh, and it was heresy to say. Yeah. And, and, and now I think most people would acknowledge that Barack uh-huh. Obama was a good president, but not very progressive. For sure. Uh, and certainly not very bold in pursuing progressive priorities. So in turn, when it comes to the right-wingers, they get their little cults. And so Sam Harris came in with his mm-hmm. cult and did that trick of, hey, you're quoting me out of context. Mm-hmm. I said, let's nuke Muslims. Maybe, maybe it was mm-hmm. a thought exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's a one-trick pony. And he played that trick one too many times. Yeah. And now he's fallen out of favor because people realize he is hateful. And that whole thing of you quoting me out of context because you didn't quote the entire book is now like a parody, (laughs) (laughs) right? Uh Uh, So he's kind of gone. Uh, Uh The Dave Rubin, which we unfortunately spawned in the first place because he worked with the Young Turks initially when he was pretending to be progressive, Mm -hmm. uh, he came and has largely gone. Now he's considered a total joke on the Internet Mm -hmm. um, and total lightweight, never knew what he was talking about, obvious hypocrite, takes Koch brother money. So he's gone. Uh, so Ben Shapiro is having his moment, but the and and again aided and abetted by the mainstream media, which uh-huh. doesn't realize it, but yeah. loves right wingers and cannot uh-huh. stand progressives. So how many fawning articles have you read about Ben Shapiro? Oh, intellectual this and dark web and oh uh-huh. my god, what a wonderful guy, amazing. Uh, no, he says uh, Arabs live in the sewer and, and basically had it coming. No, he's a hateful guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's He happens to be Jewish, so he's not anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wow, we found a Republican who isn't also anti-Semitic. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, or like a, 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 a Jew who isn't yeah, a, Jew who is a Democrat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so they're... They have these infrastructure advantages mm-hmm. with the mainstream press, with right-wing billionaires funding them, etc. But but Ben will come and he will go, uh, just like they all have, and and like Steve Bannon did, like Milo did, uh, and soon politically we're going to wipe these guys out, and they they have almost no chance 
uh, of of winning a national election again. So they'll be assigned to where they belong in the intellectual and political dustbin of history. Okay, wow. but that that said, I like they did they did reach a point where they won a national election, right? Right, and that and that inevitably has damage that's done that will hard will hard to be. Uh, excuse me, it'll be it'll be hard to undo that, you know. And I feel like a lot of sort of what we heard coming up before the 2016 election was that they will end up in the intellectual dustbin of history, like right after this election when they lose. Right. So I right. guess I guess even even if the effects are short term, or even if individually they're each short lasting, um, I guess I'm really curious of how do we like even prevent that in the short term because you know things that are done in the short term obviously have huge long-term consequences with you know i mean we can point to any anything that trump has done since he's since he's entered the white house yeah so one more long-term thing and i'll just sure. uh, short-term thing so look conservatives are destined to, to lose in history mm-hmm. because as an ideology they argue against change yeah yeah so uh-huh. So you, you've set up a situation where, in the long run, really good point. you cannot win. It's uh-huh. lo- logically impossible to win. You're inherently you trying can't. to go backwards. That's right. Mm-hmm. Or even just stay the course and stay where you are, uh-huh. which is not how the world works, life works, history works. There's constant change. So if you're on the side of change, you're eventually going to win. That's inevitable. And if you're the ones trying to prevent change, you have no chance of winning in the long run. That's why the history of America is actually one that is deeply progressive. That is why progressives won on slavery, civil rights, gay rights, women's rights. Uh, there isn't anything we haven't eventually won on because the, the mark, uh, you know, as, as Martin Luther King said, the arc of the moral universe uh, bends towards justice. Yeah. And in this case, also towards inexorably change mm-hmm. and progress. So now on to the short term. Guys, it's super important to acknowledge that we have two political foes. One is the absurd right wing uh, that is, you know, personified in monstrous form in Donald Trump. Um, and But the other is the establishment. And they're in some ways a more pernicious foe because they also want to preserve the status quo. And, and they hold on to it with greater glee and fervor. Uh, and, and so why did we lose to Donald Trump? Because the establishment insisted that we should run a candidate, the Democratic Party should run a candidate that was against change, loved the status quo, and was the living embodiment of the establishment. That was literally the only way you could lose to Donald Trump. And they did. And now they're threatening to make the same exact mistake. They're like, oh, if we've learned anything, I mean, Megan McCain said on there just two days ago, um, you know, if we run a socialist against Donald Trump, we'll make the same mistake as 2016. Well, you know what that is, and it's backed up by almost everyone else on television. That's an alternative fact. We didn't run a socialist, uh, socialist against Donald Trump in 2016. We ran an establishment candidate that the country pretty much despised. And progressives said it in the primaries, and we were considered heretics. And again, Oh, my God, you guys are crazy. Of course Hillary Clinton's going to win. Bernie Sanders couldn't possibly win. And on Election Day, Bernie Sanders had a 12-point lead over Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton lost. So we were right, and, and the establishment has never recognized it, never will. And like all political opponents, they are not to be appeased. They are to be defeated. Mm-hmm. 
So I guess then what do you think, well, with that in mind, what do you think should happen in 2020 and what do you think will happen in 2020? Well, luckily, the answer, uh, if I might, is both the same thing, uh, which is progressives must win the Democratic primary. It is the most important thing there is because it also leads to the question of whether we're going to win or lose the general election. But I think luckily that the, that right now, as things stand, a progressive candidate stands an excellent chance of winning. Yeah. And uh, the establishment had been greatly dismissive of that uh, and talked about Bernie Sanders, for example, and amused disdainful language uh, early on. And just as I predicted, uh, they have now come around to, oh, no, he's weak. <laughs> <laughs> and so panic has begun to set in. Uh-huh. Uh, several different uh, so-called journalists in the press uh, have started talking about, and the same as Trump. He's the same as Trump. <laughs> okay. What happened? I thought he was going to fade away. I, I, yeah. Washington Post. Uh, who hates Bernie Sanders more than Donald Trump, even though Donald Trump has personally targeted their owner, right? right but right. to Jeff Bezos, his money is more precious than his personal life or his sure. reputation. And um, and so they they can't, they loathe Bernie Sanders mm. with a white hot passion. Mm. And so they the, the day that he announced they had four, count them, four different uh, columns uh, denouncing Bernie Sanders, but Damn. amusingly, and this is the part that I love, uh, dismissing him. Like, oh, well, yeah. his crowds will fade. His yeah. small donor base that's <laughs> vaunted will fade because no one we know likes yeah, Bernie yeah. Sanders. <laughs> okay, good luck right. with that. For sure. Um, awesome. Well, we've got to uh, finish up here because I know uh, you got you got to run. Um, but... Um, in in your uh, just uh, real quick last question, um, what do you think that we as like young people at, at colleges can do to you know sort of help that uh, moral arc um, really uh, really follow through and especially in, in 2020 um, do something big? And just sort of to add on top of of that, like it's, this is very related. Do you have hope just inherently? Like do you do you believe that? that quote about the arc of moral justice is true, like that inherently on like a big enough time scale, it will bend towards justice. Yeah. So the answer is yes and no. Um, so I'm generally a hopeful person in, in life, but I do not let that color my political analysis. So uh, I'm somewhat famous for uh, saying in the 2016 election, uh, brace for impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said it on ABC this week at the height of Hillary Clinton's, uh, lead right after the DNC, I said, uh-huh. Trump would win. Uh, I did go back and forth a little bit on that based on the polling near the end of the election. But, uh, the, the Saturday before the election, the Monday before the election and on election day, I kept warning he can win. He can win this. There's a real statistical chance that he could win brace for impact. Um, and, and so even though I desperately did not want him to win, I recognized that he had a very good chance of winning. So it's not just blind optimism. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when pessimism is called for, then we level with the audience and tell them the situation is not good. Yeah. Now, now in terms of why I am overall optimistic, I think the facts lead in that direction. They do in the long term, as we already discussed, but in the short term, um, 
the country uh, can't stand the establishment. And almost everyone in the media is in the establishment, so that's a very uncomfortable fact for them that they never, ever want to share or believe in. Uh, And But if that means the country is in a populist mood, as is all countries, that's why I said that that, that Corbyn had a chance of winning that election Uh uh, in in the U.K., and they're like, no, God, (laughs) you don't understand politics. The U.K. did Brexit. They're going right way. Mm-hmm. And then Corbyn closed a, a 20-point lead in, yeah. what, like three weeks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and so the reason is because they're not going left-wing or right-wing. They're only going anti-establishment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, that explains almost every international election of the last five years. Mm-hmm. Everywhere from Bolsonaro in Brazil to the left-wing winning in Greece, uh, even to Macron in France, who is not a, a traditional populist, was what was outside of the two major parties in France. Yeah. What the whole world is saying in unison is, give us anything but this neoliberal system mm-hmm. that we know in our bones is oppressing us and crushing us. Mm-hmm. And so that populist uh, wave, if the left wing taps uh, into it, given that the country, and I know this will sound controversial again in mainstream media, but it's not. It's based on polling on mm-hmm. every policy issue. The country is massively progressive. If you actually give yeah, them an like option issue by to issue? vote for... Oh, yeah, for sure. No question. Uh-huh. So if you give them an option to vote for an earnest progressive who uh-huh. uh, leans populist, right. they will win crushing victories. That's such a good point. Like Medicare for all is polling, what is it, like seven seventy percent or something like that. Um, like Medicare for all seventy, Green New Deal is eighty one percent, raising tax on the rich is seventy percent, and and even fifty four percent of Republicans who watch Fox News say <laughs> raise tax on the rich. Yeah. Yeah, if we just had a candidate whose name was literally Medicare for all or raise taxes on rich, maybe right. maybe, maybe that would win. be the answer. <laughs> Well, I think Bernie comes as close as you can possibly yeah, imagine sure. that. That's for sure. So what, what you should expect in the coming years, in the next year, year and a half, is the entire establishment media to uh, roar in their anger, disdain, and they'll go through different emotions uh, against Bernie Sanders and the progressive wing. They will come out with... Uh, righteous fury and anger against the progressive wing. Mm. But luckily, um, that will only help our cause. Yeah. Because they will accidentally highlight the issues that are so popular in this country. They'll say, can you believe these crazy radicals want your family to have health care and so you're not constantly <laughs> worried about your kids dying? Wow. Crazy. Thank you for running that ad. What a world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that seems like a a great uh, place to to stop. Cenk, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much. We really appreciate the time. It's really been a pleasure. Uh, No problem, guys. Really enjoy the conversation. All right. Hope to talk to you soon. This week's episode is brought to you by Admit Weekend Being Dry. The university at Stanford has a strict policy that during the weekend of admission for uh, prospective <laughs> <shut up. laughs> freshmen, uh, otherwise known as quote-unquote 
pro-froze shall be a weekend known as dry. In other words, not wet. Not In other wet. words, no alcoholic beverages shall be seen, consumed, or thought about. If you think about it, you're gone. You're gone. You're gone. Don't even Admission think about it. Rescinded. Don't even like that think one about girl who got it. paid to sail or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, she can probably stay. She can probably she, stay. She can probably stay. Then she's got to pay a little more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but seriously, um, Admin Weekend is dry, and there shall be no drinking. No drinking. No no alcohol. No drugging. Consumed. No drinking. Um, unless, of course, you are in a fraternity sorority, um, a part of a part of a team, is part that of a, a club rule? that goes off campus, or uh, part of anything. Uh, part Honestly, of the Really Bro Podcast. Part of the Really Bro Podcast. Honestly, Admin Weekend is not dry. It's the biggest lie ever. Yeah, that's a fact. All right. Enjoy your weekend. Tether to a fancy car. No, you wanna touch me in your old religion, caviar. Holy water avatar. Blue like the tears when I left you. I met you on Saturday morning. It's raining and storming. Approach me with caution. I come with the warning. Sweep me off my feet. I'll probably clean my act up. I swear I'll be on my best behavior. From this day forward, a lifetime after. If you're my baby, and I know this world is something Parables partially love you naturally, happily ever after. Cigarettes over blunts now, miracle whip at fun town, summertime. Delight, delight, Mississippi over ice, Janet Jackson and flashing lights. We could dance a little if you like to. My vagabonds a lonely road, a celebrated haiku. Contemporary overzealous, think I really like you. Sing with me, sing with me, paranoia like blue. Piano was a deep red, your fingers were a green hue Watch you make a rainbow out of sacrificial love In the club off the alley, alley, feeling holy The DJ was religion, I swear on the Pope, he know me The is just a name, don't call me crazy And rain don't feel like rain It's been so calm and love is just a word So tell me what you call me when I'm not around. So it's interesting. <laughs> I have this friend who, um, like, he every time he says he says it's this is interesting when he like doesn't approve of something. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like now, okay. now anytime I think of like saying something is interesting, I always think of like my buddy John who just like says that when he doesn't approve of something and it's very funny uh, but that that interview actually was very interesting what did you find interesting about it I thought he was very hopeful in ways that I did not expect him to be mm-hmm. 
That was sort of, and I'm someone who's very skeptical of hope, uh-huh. as I think we've discussed previously. But yeah, I think in general he's less hopeful than he was on that interview. Like, like he he's a he's a pragmatist, like mm-hmm. on his show. I would say. Yeah, that's definitely true. But I think still to some extent it was like he said some of the stuff he said about like, you know, I think we just have to like maintain hope and like ultimately facts will prevail. Uh-huh. Sort of like that. Um, Sort of like almost that predestination of like this is going to happen. It's just uh-huh. going to take time. Like that's that's something I think I've only really heard primarily in religious context. You know, like God has a way of like making things work out. Well, he, God does have a way. Does he? He does. She? Does she? No, Do they? He, no, he. What? God is a he. Is God? God is a he. My God is a he. Your God's a he? Yeah. I thought you were atheist. I don't know. Bro. I'm atheist. I'm not atheist, dude. I I don't know. I just don't know. I think there's it's possible that there's that there's a god, but I I picture it just as like like I picture God as like a like a really smart like lyrical hip hop artist. Like I picture God as like Jay Z or like Nas <laughs> or like Cardi B or something. As Cardi B, yeah. Like <laughs> God as Cardi B, dude. If God doesn't have bars, then is God really God? That's true. I sort of pictured God as like a blob, just like floating through the air. Yeah, but I feel like God has to have has to have bars, like, because if you think about it, like the only thing that could take down God, right, is somebody like somebody like spitting a fire like diss track on him, right? But we're making that God the diss track, God the diss track. But if God could rebound, like I think God would have to rebound from a diss track and just like absolutely flame somebody in order to be yeah in order to truly be God. So in that case, like God has to be a hip hop artist, right? And if God is like all know, it's like it's God is supposed to be like omniscient, um, omni benevolent, and all all present. So like it, God is everywhere. God is kind, and God is is all knowing, right? And the only I can only think of a few examples of that. Uh, one of them being um, Jay Z. Jay Z is everywhere. That's true. Yes. One of them being um, Tupac, because even though he's dead, he's everywhere. And mm. I can think of... Nah, he's in Cuba. And, and, and Okay, yeah, but he's still everywhere, right? And Cardi B. Like, those are... And there are probably... Cardi B is not everywhere. Yeah, I, she is, dude. Cardi B is literally everywhere. She's literally everywhere. Nah, nah. No, Cardi B is in Bronx, New York. Dude, she's literally, like, the one of the most famous people in the world, though. Like, she's everywhere. Mm, I don't know <laughs> if I buy the Cardi B. Really? I feel like she's more Maybe famous than Jay-Z now. Really? Yeah, dude. Really? Yes. No way. I bet. I bet she has zero percent. I bet she has more followers on Twitter or like Instagram. Sure, because Jay Z, most of Jay Z's fans are like older, and so they probably don't have Twitter. Okay, then name one metric in which Jay Z is more famous than Cardi B. Record sold. Still to this day, I don't know yeah, if that's true. Definitely. Or or record streamed, like listened, because like you can't you can't say like sold is like an adequate like record re- sold record. and streamed combined. Is that definitely Jay Z? That's definitely Jay Z. You're just pulling that out of your ass. It's, def- it's definitely you don't know Jay-Z. that. You don't know that, dude. The blueprint? Are you kidding? It's so popular, yeah, dude. But now the number of people who have listened to Bodak Yellow is probably like as much as as many as. as That's the been blueprint. like two years though, and like Jay Z, Jay Z's got like twenty years on her. So he's been making music for like twenty more years. That's twenty more years that people can listen to his music. I know, but way more people listen to hip hop now than listen to listen to hip hop when Jay Z started making. Is music. Is that true? Definitely, yeah. Mm. I can buy that. I don't know. We'll have to research these. I, I honestly think Cardi B has a better chance of being God than than Jay Z. Like they're they're both like in, in the running, I would say. But I'm not I'm not sure which one, which one it is. I could see it being Kendrick. 
I couldn't see that, dude. Really? Just, I mean, just like on the metric of albums, albums sold, like he's not as he's not nearly as famous. Yeah, but like his dread sort of like Jesus had like long flowing hair, right? So like if we assume that that's representative of other gods, and that gods so typically then, have long flowing hair, like Kendrick Lamar. Has, but then like, it could also be J Cole. It could be J Cole. Yeah. I can see that too. There's yeah, so many possibilities. I can see that too. It's a finite number of people. There's probably like ten people who I think may, might be God. Can I just say that if there's actually a God, we're both going to hell after this? Yeah, dude, for, for sure. Um, one time I was talking to one of my I was talking to one of my friends. He's like pretty religious, and like we were arguing about because like I'm not very religious, um, but like sometimes I, I dabble. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he he told me this like there there's this like a maxim in um, in uh, like a rabbinical text that's like two guys arguing, one who believes in in God, one one who doesn't, right? Um, and the guy who believes in God says to the other guy, he says, if I'm wrong, then you're a fool or sorry, if I'm wrong, then I'm a fool. But if you're wrong, then you're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. definitely like a hedging your bet thing. Yeah. Um, but anyways, like going, going back to more, more relevant conversation. <laughs> um, what did you think of, um, Chank's ideas on like how he kind of transformed from like a, a very conservative bro to like a, a more kind of like progressive bro, like I, I'd say he is like the what I think of when I think of like a Bernie bro kind of. Yeah, I know? think so too. And like, I just sort of like to the extent that he is like very much behind that sort of. I don't have a better word than agenda. I don't like that word, but yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was a really sort of interesting conversation. And like, sort of, I didn't think that like facts could have that power. Just like mean? given given like the discourse over the past couple of years on like alternative facts and fake news and all that, like uh-huh. I'd sort of discounted the role of facts in being able to transform someone's viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. What I wonder though, like what I what I would posit is like to what extent is citing facts a something that can be done in retrospect once you're like feeling oh, changed. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a lot of times I think like Facts might not be what actually convinces somebody, but like they they use that to like cite. Yeah, that's cite facts. Actual. That's facts. Because you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've, that's definitely true. Because like you can, <laughs> you can, it's so easy to say like I see this as the objective truth now, and it was seeing it as the truth that changed it. But like there was a point where you were presented with that information where it conflicted with your viewpoint. Ultimately, changes have to be emotional. I feel like I agree with that. What makes you say that? Um. I, I guess, like, I, I shouldn't say it with such certainty, but um, that is, like, that is the extent of my anecdotal experience um, is that, like, you can come at somebody with, with all the facts and it doesn't matter if it is in direct contradiction of, A, like, their understanding of, like, the world's reality and, B, like, what they feel is right. Right. Um, and I don't know. I've just had too many experiences with um, with friends of mine at home where, like, it wasn't worth, like, going into going into facts because like i i knew that that like was just gonna make them mad at me almost you know what i mean Um, yeah and like it's so easy and like no one has perfect memory so it's so easy when you pull out a fact to just be like well that's what you remember yeah can you ask me a tissue yeah for sure damn you're really sick dude i'm not that sick i just like i'm a little bit (laughs) dude i don't know why but like since i was a kid i've always like blown my nose like just un 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 like or un extraordinarily hard my dad, when he blew his nose, sounded like an elephant. Really? Yeah. It would be like, like that that sort of thing. I just don't get it when people blow their nose so softly. Like, you're not really making an effect. Or sneezing. You know, yeah. like, how some people will sneeze and they'll sound like a meow? Like, 
a child like that. Yeah. Like I don't get how that works. Yeah. Like I sneezing, think they're just trying to suppress it, kind of, because they're like embarrassed almost. You know. I guess, but like sneezing is supposed to be like a release of internal energy. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people should. I don't hot take. I don't think people should put their face in their elbows when they sneeze. Right what? Either. I think society, if we all stop doing that, like yes, the short term effects would be like we'd probably get a little bit sick for like maybe a hundred. We'd all get sick so a, much for like a couple hundred years. Yes, but like a couple hundred everybody years. Everybody just like all the time. We'd all be dead by then. Just like ah, you and just like like let it rip, right? Like. We would become so much more impervious to sickness as a society. Like it would, it would truly, it would truly make us healthier in the long term. Have you read that stuff that says allergies is just because we, um, like, have made our environments too clean? I don't know if that stuff even says all allergies though. It just says like some. Allergies, it says right? some, but they only yeah. research some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I have, I have read those things. I don't know. I don't know what I think. It's I, interesting. I have, my dad like, was some pretty. Allergies, though, so like, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that. Yeah, because like my dad was super like germaphobic growing up, <coughs> um, and so like. So he, he must get sick a lot. He always <laughs> he gets sick a lot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's what that is. Anyway, I sort of like going back to what we were talking about before. I sort of like what you say about emotions. I feel like that's totally true. Um, it's so easy just to commit to sort of a philosophy. Or like a way of seeing the world because it's just what you feel in your gut. Well, it's also like people want to jump to conclusions very quickly because like you want to reach a place of comfort, right? Mm -hmm. Like being uh, sitting with issues that you don't like feel like you have a fully formed opinion on is like discomforting, you know? Yeah. And like that that makes it very people very apt, I guess, to like jump to the conclusions that are the most like sort of intuitive. And I I do think like a lot of um, a lot of like quote unquote like intuitive um intuitive like ideas are conservative like uh, create conservative ideologies right like right. for example like um you know there are issues of unemployment in like in uh in the United States there's also like a higher immigration rate today than there was like you know x number of years ago like let's put those two and two together and say that like immigrants are stealing jobs right it's these two like right. very intuitive Versus ideas that are fueled by like a media that is like a media that is like um i guess like capitalizing on those mm -hmm. on those intuitive ideas and so you, like why question it further if you already can just like become comfortable with like an answer right. that you think is true so i guess it's all just about making people comfortable with discomfort to some extent maybe yeah yeah I don't know. Yeah, this like it's definitely true for that. The other one, the other example that sort of jumped to mind was like with affirmative action or social welfare. Like it's uh -huh. so it's so easy to just be like we all like went to the same schools and you know stuff like that uh -huh. and just sort of be like we, there's no need for this program. Like that was in the past. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of another clear example of that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what like what would you say? about um like what do you think are flaws of of like progressive bros i think a lot of times it's kind of performative to be honest you think so yeah um it's, it's just like trying <coughs> or like <coughs> it's or sometimes it's it's either performative or it's like progressivism at a distance like it's supporting uh -huh. these ideals but then like what are you actually doing to advance them in your day-to-day -day life i mean i feel like i'm guilty of that right like i'm definitely guilty I'm, of that too I, like there are definitely have been times in my life when I like took an active role like in in progressive issues, but like what am I doing right now? Like I'm not I'm I'm just literally just like talking, right? Yeah, you know? and like words matter, but at some extent you gotta start doing stuff, dude. But what does like doing stuff mean? That's a good question, right? Because like I feel like a lot of times we criticize like the large majority of people for not being like activists, mm -hmm. but like what are, like what are they supposed to do? 
I guess it's about maybe it's just about showing up. Showing up, like yeah, like showing up for whatever your cause is. So like, whether whether that means like, if shit, I can't think of a good example. Um, I I guess like if it's your cause is like um, sexual assault prevention, that means like uh-huh. showing up for like there was a big event on campus last night. That Did was, you go? I was like six, oh, okay, so I did okay. not go. Oh, no, okay. I'm guilty. Oh, of that. Okay. Okay. I chose to like prioritize my own health over that cause. The disrespect. No, I like the felt disrespect. pretty. I actually felt pretty guilty about it. Oh, okay. Like, well, I mean, I you can't say that because now I feel bad making fun of you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I could make you feel guilty. Well, I was there, and I can say it was a really impactful event. That was like so intense. Mm-hmm. I was I was supposed to go to an event for, um, uh, like for my fraternity after that. Um, life update. I I joined. I, I've become a. I've become He's a, become a frat. I've bro. become a disgusting piece of frat. <laughs> um, yeah. I did not join a frat. Sick. You're, you're so morally superior. Congrats. Yeah. Um, but I was supposed to go to an event for that afterwards, and like this, um, like the survivor event was just like so impactful. Like I, I literally couldn't do anything. I just had to go like home and just like watch a movie because like or, or I was studying for my midterm. But like I was just like it, it was so intense. Mm-hmm. Like it was so intense to hear stories like that. But anyways, like, but I also feel like we sometimes criticize people for showing up. You know what I mean? Like, like we're both guilty of this. You know, like we we did a whole episode on like on like the women's march and like criticizing yeah. people for like going to the women's march. Basically, we did do that. Yeah. But then we also criticize people for not going to the women's. Yeah, march. I know, right? So like, it's hard. I'm not gonna say it's hard being progressive because like it's honestly it's not that hard because it's just like facts. Um, but like it's hard knowing how to like actually advance causes. You That's know? true. That's unless so you're like true. directly involved with like a campaign or something. Yeah. And, like, I've been trying to get more involved with activism on campus, but it's just hard. Yeah. And, like, you got, you got a million things going on. you got classes. And I, but I also am curious, like, to what extent, like, what makes a bigger impact, right? Like, showing up to, like, a protest or, like, a rally or, like, having, like, intense conversations with your very, like, conservative friends, like, on an individual level. Like, what if we all focused on, like, changing the minds of our, like, of our conservative friends? Just have, like, the closest people in our lives. Sure. <laughs> hmm. That's an interesting thought. Because I think that is a real way for a lot of like a lot of people to like contribute to causes. It's it's got to be both in my mind. Like you can't have one without the other. Because like the protests make people think, and then like the people close to them like help drive home the point or like yeah. have actually have the discussion uh-huh. that like people are thinking about like in their minds but are too scared to like actually bring up. Yeah, I don't know. I I am sometimes questioning of like the extent of like protests on on campus um like sometimes i i i'm not sure like the extent to um like that they that 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 they're impactful um but like obviously in in some cases they are but i i guess like where i get confused is like for like the large majority of people like i don't think it's super realistic that like everyone's going to spend time like being an activist you know yeah Especially, like, I, th- I think sort of going back to what you are saying about protests on campus, especially on this campus, like, uh, we're so isolated. Yeah. Like, basically the only people we reach are other people in the community. Mm-hmm. So, at some point, it just becomes, like, we're all making each other feel better by making ourselves feel like we're actually doing something. Yeah. Um, so, honestly, in my opinion, um, I don't know how you feel about this. I think one of the biggest ways that, um, like, progressive bros can be, like, can actually have an impact is by uh, reaching uh, conservative bros. Like, reaching Trump bros. Yeah, and I guess, like, there's, like, that shared bro culture between you. Exactly. Like, you can bond over exactly. so much. Exactly. 
and like just have like that genuine connection yeah even though like maybe you come from like different political viewpoints yeah right like I, you know i spent like i said like i spent time like working on like a pretty intense like very progressive campaign but i, I would honestly say like the, the stuff i'm most proud of is like changing the minds of like of uh like conservative bros because mm. I, I think that it's was it, that like friends back home or uh-huh. yeah because i think that that has had like the most like lasting impact I think, yeah, for me, one of, like, the proudest moments of my life was when I got one of my white friends to stop saying the N-word. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, the small, it's the small stuff like that where you can just see the tangible change. Yeah. Sometimes big stuff is good, too. Big stuff is good, too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts on this interview? Dude, whenever you say thought, like, whenever anybody says thought, like, I can't help thinking, like, I'm always thinking of it as T-H-O-T. No. (laughs) No. Your mind has been polluted. Dude, honestly. Damn. My mind is just like garbage, bro. Yeah. Um, any Honestly, last my thoughts? Um, no, I don't really have any last thoughts. Yeah, I guess all I got is just remember who you are, remember where you stand, and... And remember the name. 100%. Dude, that, the that, that movie, or that, that song is so good. We should play that song. All right, hot takes real fast because my class started a minute ago, which is great. My hot take is, you know how um, we have a bunch of words in the English language that start with re, but where you can't say like just the word without the re, right? So like mm. the one that comes to my mind is regurgitate, which is like to vomit up food, basically. Oh, shit. Right? So I think we need to broaden our language. So I think gurgitate, we need to introduce the word gurgitate to the English language, and it needs to mean, you know, like when you have an apple on a tree and it just falls off? That tree would have just gurgitated that apple. Like, it just spat it out into the world. So It sounds gross, though. It does, but it's also, like, imagine that. Like, freshly gurgitated apples. Or, like, repeat. Like, to do something again. So, so Pete, Pete is just, just once, do yeah. something. <laughs> I like that. Or, like, or ver- rewind. Yeah, rewind. Well, well, wind is a word. Wind actually. is a word. Wind yeah. is a word. <laughs> it doesn't apply that. Reverse. Like, yeah. to, go, to go the other direction. Yeah. Verse could just be going. Verse is just going. Like, going the direction. I'm going to verse my way over to San Francisco today. Yeah. And I'm going to reverse back to Stanford. Ooh, I like it, dude. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm into it. I'm all about creating new words, dude. I think we mm. need to expand the English language. We need to expand the English language. All right, what's really your hot do. take? My hot take is, um, I don't know, even know if it's a hot take, but physically it is a hot take because um, it is that people sleep on tea. Um, I know like some people like tea, but it is so good, and I feel like it doesn't get nearly enough credit. Like That's I, true. Like I, 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 I haven't really been drinking too much tea but um, this year, but I, I, I drank a bunch like these last few weeks because I... I've been like having a cough and like feeling like a little bit sick and like it's just it's done wonders for me both like uh, physically and also just like drinking tea is such a chilled out like mellow experience. You just sit there and you sip. Yeah. Like you my, don't chug. My buddy Phil like I was always like Earl Grey is like trash like it's not good. Um, but I my buddy Phil like turned me on to to, to drinking um, Earl Grey tea. Uh, like a week ago, and like I've had it like every day since. Wow, then. it's so good, dude. I can't handle Earl Grey. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Really? It's really good. Earl Grey and lemon, I would say, are my lemon are my tea favorites. is straight fire. Lemon tea is like low key, like amateur hour. Like it's amateur like, hour. If you're not into tea, you drink. Lemon but I'm tea. I'm embracing but it's really good. it. I'm embracing that I'm a tea amateur. No, I'm I am I'm totally tea amateur too. But like I I do like Earl Grey as well. Um, Earl Grey, lemon, and mint, I would say, are my three favorites. There's an alternate interpretation of your hot take, which is that people sleep on like you know like tea that you like spill like. <laughs> 
tea, like <coughs> things that are going on in your life that are like interesting or whatever. Uh-huh. People do sleep on that kind of tea. Wait, what do you mean? I think like people just like they have it and then they don't let it out. Oh, like people are to themselves too much. People are to themselves. Like too they much. don't, they don't, uh, they don't t- say their news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely guilty of that. I'm guilty of that too. Yeah, yeah. Especially like with my close friends, honestly. Like sometimes I'm it's not. just hard to bring it up. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, tea time should exist where you drink tea and then you just like it's like an organized time to talk about like your tea or like the, the, the like the big things. You know? I am so down for Dude, that. Dude, let's do it. Tea let's time. Do it. Let's tea do time. it. We're, we're, we're gonna make time. it happen. Okay, bet. I will really go fast. Every line, and I've seen him at work when that light goes on in his mind. It's like a design is written in his head every time before he even touches a key or speaks in a rhyme. And those other fellas he runs with the kids that he signed, ridiculous without even trying. How do they do it? This is 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% concentrated power of will, 5% pleasure, 50% pain, and 